uh, Easter's, I mean, it's the incarnation, which means Jesus coming the first time in the flesh, coming from God to the earth as God and as man. Without that, there's nothing else. But this is the day that makes Christianity Christianity. And so it's, it's, you know, Easter's the linchpin. The resurrection is the linchpin of Christianity. If you're interested in kind of figuring out, hey, is this real or not? Go after the resurrection. That's what you want to look at to see if Christianity is actually legitimate or not. Because if you knock that out, everything else falls off Christianity, okay? But one of my favorite, uh, one of the, my favorite cartoons about Easter, about Easter was uh, there's this empty, or there's this tomb with this stone, and you see this voice coming from the sky, and it's like, son, time to get up. And coming from inside the tomb, it's like, come on, dad, five more minutes. You know, and, and this, you know, it's fun. But what we're going to read today, or actually what Jana just read, uh, isn't it beautiful? It's touching. Uh, it's profound. Um, it's astounding. It's challenging. It, it was discomforting then, and it's comforting now. It was comforting then, and it's discomforting now. And so what we want to look at is... You know, it was the philosopher de Tocqueville came into this America and he said, you know, there's a strange malaise that covers the culture. The Americans have more material possessions, uh, more, more beauty and prosperity in so many ways, but there's a strange malaise, sort of a, a fog that covers the culture. And, and that's true. And I think it's true, especially in the church today among Christians, but I think it's true as a culture as a whole. And so what these words can do is they, they just brought, they explode the way that all people think about religion, about spirituality, uh, about the lack of religion, on and on and on. So what, what, what this is actually showing us is that Jesus brings people to God because he, because he brings God to people. And that's, that's what we're going to look at. The first way, how does he do that? There's a several ways. One, we see here that he does it in a very personal way. I mean, think how he first reveals himself after coming back from the dead. One word, Mary. And she hears his voice and responds. See how personal it is? He doesn't go like, hey, check me out. I'm back. No, he's relational and personal, and he says her name. Maybe one of the most beautiful sentences, one of the most beautiful words in all the Bible. He just says her name. John says another place in in this letter, in this book, he says, his sheep know his name, or, or his sheep know his voice, and they follow him. It was something about, she looks at him as the gardener, and then he says her name, and she says Rabboni, which actually means my teacher. It's a very, again, very personal. It's not like teacher or rabbi. It's like my rabbi, my teacher, my leader. So what's going on here is it's very, very personal. And then, again, in one of the most astounding verses in all the Bible, in verse 17, look at this. Right after that, Jesus says to her, don't cling to me. So you, can, you know that she's so excited. I mean, she's like, oh my gosh, is it you? 
And then she goes up, probably expecting in her mind that it's some sort of like vision. And so she would try to grab him and her arms would go straight through. It's like, you know, maybe a ghost, but probably just figment of my imagination there. And all of a sudden she grabs him and he's actually there. And he says, don't hold on to me. I'll be here for a while. And there's some debate about what this actually means. But most likely, he's kind of laughing and smiling. He's like, hey, you don't have to hold on to me yet. I will be ascending to the Father. But right now, there's something you have to do. And that is to go and tell. And so what ends up happening, do you see there's this, there's this, he says, my God and your God. My Father and your Father. Now, you know that all people are not God's children. It's pretty common to say that today. It's like, well, we're all God's children. Well, and in one sense, that's true in that we're created or made by God. But we're not those who would come to him and be loved and adopted and accepted by him by any means of ourselves. In fact, John says somewhere else in the, in the early pages of this same book, he says, but no, uh, he says, but to all who receive Jesus, who have believed in his name, to them he gives the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. See, none of us can come to faith in Jesus in and of ourselves. It's not about our culture. We don't become a follower of Jesus because the culture we grow up in. We come to Jesus by faith is if he gives us the faith to believe it's true. You see how confrontational that is? If we consider that right now, that's greatly offensive. Because it means nothing you can do can get you to God and of yourself. That's my story. That's part of what God did. That's part of the reason I'm a Christian today. is because I thought if I did everything well enough... And if I was really good at everything, and if I was the nicest person possible, so forth and so on. And guess what? I wasn't the best. (laughs) Pretty far from it most of the time. Uh, I wasn't very nice. I wasn't a good kid. All those things that I was counting on, you know, I never measured up in most of them, but others I did. And here's the worst part about it, is what is what people have called damnable good works. It's not, a lot of us think like, ooh, I don't really do bad things, maybe, so I'm, all, I'm good with God. It's the good things we do that we think count something for us before God. That's what actually brings us different, uh, separated from God. Okay? Instead, he brings us home. And it's not just like, hey, you're okay, I'll put up with you now because, well, here you go again, but I'll accept you this time. He actually calls us sons and daughters. That's why Jesus died. That's one of the answers. Like, Why did Jesus die? He died to draw us close to God. Do you see how personal that is? That he would hold us to his heart? The way he did that was by an idea called atonement. Now, that word is, it means, here's what atonement means. It means at one with. So atonement, you can remember, remember it by at one with. There's something that's happened that allows someone to become one with God, to become united to him. doesn't mean we become God, but it means we get accepted 
do we get united to the one who made us for himself? Uh, it's another way to think of it is we become truly human. And the reason we do is because one who was truly human was made to God. He was, co- he was coming home. And he said not only was, it, was he his God, but he was our God. That he was his father and therefore our father. John Stott, who's a famous theologian, said this. He says, we live and die, but Christ died and lived. Which means that even today, we can have confidence that he brings us to God, not because of what we do, but because of what he's done. But immediately what Jesus does here, you see, is he makes it not just a personal thing, but he also makes it a public thing. He, the first thing he says is, but go and announce this. Go, go and tell that this is what's happened. Now, do you see what he's, he doesn't say, hey, try to convince everybody, or he doesn't say, hey, tell everybody you're right and they're wrong, or hey, come join my team. All the different ways that I think in our culture we tend to think sometimes, Christians at least tend to think like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, all he says is go and tell what you heard, that God has done it. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. Uh, my story, you know, what some Christians call testimony, you know, that may be helpful, but what's really helpful is what did God do with Jesus? That's what I want to know. I, you know, I care too much about myself in the first place. And you guys care too little, right? Like that's, we all think we're way more important than we are. But Jesus is way more important than we can ever imagine. This is also a little side note that I think is very interesting and important. A lot of people believe this, that Christianity is misogynistic, it's male chauvinist, that, uh, that men are viewed as the higher, and women are kind of like, eh, pushed to the side. Okay? What you have to realize is, who is the first person that Jesus appears to when he comes into his resurrected state? It's a lady. See, you see what, here's what's happening there. He's actually dignifying women. In fact, it's not wrong to say that Mary is the, an apostle to the apostles. She's one that's sent by Jesus with the authority of talking to these other guys who are supposed to be the apostles, the sent ones, and she's telling them what Jesus said to her. That was revolutionary. In fact, if you're trying to start a religious movement, you don't do that. That's not, you know, in some places, women were not able to give testimony in the court of law. They were second-class citizens. And Christianity actually turned that upside down. And so today, what many of us, I believe, rightly say is, you know, there's, a, there's an equality that should happen in our culture. You know what? It's, it's not based out of Christianity, true Christianity. It's important to think through and to consider. That's a little side thing. The last thing here about the public is it's physical. This is not just a spiritual idea. It's not a metaphor. Um, Jesus comes back physically, right? Mary holds her, uh, holds him rather. He eats fish. He cooks fish. He shows up with people. Uh, we're told that one time he appears to more than 500 people. Um, you know, there's been some people think like, hey, you know, and I get this, that there's there's a fascination with when someone dies. Some of you guys have friends who have died and then you see them afterwards for a time. You know, you'll be in the grocery store, you'll turn a corner and you're like, wait, that's mom. 
That's not mom. It's just your projection of that, right? That's called a, basically a hallucination. And I don't mean that as a drug-induced hallucination. But you know what? There's never been a hallucination of 500 people seeing the exact same thing at the same time. In the history of the world, it's never been recorded that that's happened. And so Jesus keeps having these things happen, and he keeps appearing, and he's saying, this is real. And if you look at that quote again on the front of the booklet, the, mes- the resurrection and the message of it is that the world matters. Since Jesus comes back physically, here's what that means. It means that what you and I do in this world makes a difference. That the embracing of other people, that the extending of love and acceptance and honor and dignity to all humans is what we were made for. Because we were made for God first and foremost. That's where extending dignity to each other comes from. Because we were made in God's image. We were made to reflect Him into the world. And that matters. It's not just a personal like, hey, this is good for me, so let me do it. And then someone else goes, well, I'm glad that's good for you. Just don't impose it on me. No, it's a very personal thing. But it's also a public thing. It can never just stay with me. Now, it's important not to be obnoxious with that. You don't see the early followers running around going, like I said before, you're an idiot and I'm good. No, that's the exact opposite of what Christianity means. You with me? Okay. So here, here's kind of the way I want to pull this together. Is what happens to bring hope into this world is that Jesus comes back as the first of a new creation. What he shows us is this is what we are meant to be as humans. We are meant to be what he became. We are meant to be with God. We don't want to just see beauty. We want to be drawn into that beauty which we long for. Which is why relationally, while we have connection with one another, it's why we want intimacy with other people, it's why we have the ideas of love. It's not just a physiological idea. That's one of the things that's really important to understand. Matter matters, that because we're a part of a new creation, the world in which we know it is being restored and redeemed. And you say, how do I know? Because Jesus was. Jesus is the first that breaks in to the new creation. Jesus is both personal, see? But he's also public. And he brings the power of God that breaks through that malaise of our lives. Where we begin to go like, yeah, I don't know. And just he, he breaks through that kind of sadness that tends to just lay over all things. If there's no res- resurrection, there's no Christianity. Right? Um, if there's no resurrection then there's no reason to listen to one thing we read from Jesus. If Jesus didn't come back from the dead, well, who cares what he taught? But if he did, we should listen to any and everything he says. Because he validates everything he said and did by rising from the dead, uh, which nobody did then or now. Leslie Newbigin one time was and he's a he he's a, was a missionary in India for years. He was a British guy, uh, a brilliant scholar. And some one time they were interviewing him, and they said, "Bishop Newbigin, are you an optimist or a pessimist? Because you're a Christian." And he paused for a minute and he said, 
I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We're not supposed to be optimists. We're not supposed to be pessimists. All we come back to is Christ risen from the dead. And that changes everything. It allows us to be sad. It allows us to be happy. But it's because he brings all these things to himself. I, I tell this story with permission from my friend. In fact, at my friend's son's funeral, um, I, I, I used this, I spoke these words that happened to him. His name was Gus. Gus had uh, Down syndrome and pretty, pretty severe form of, I guess, autism and Asperger's. And he was, one of the things that my friend says is always hard is that there was not an emotional connection ever. Right? He was there, but he was never there. Right? He was never able to look into your eyes and have that, you know. And he, my, son, my friend said that was always really hard. He said, but there was two times that he actually had an emotional connection with his son. He said, one day my kids were all out playing in the front yard and riding bikes and stuff. And he said, from down the driveway, I looked at Gus, and he said, he looked at me, and it was totally different. There was that emotional connection. He said it lasted five seconds. And he was like, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. And I've never experienced it. There's like always been this fog, this malaise, this kind of hopelessness. It's always there. But you just keep walking into it. Gus got sicker and sicker because of some of the other issues that were associated with these different diseases he had. And he was, uh, he was laying in bed. He was on hospice. And he, he sits up in his bed. And my friend said it was the second time he'd seen the face. His face woke up. And he said, can I come play? And they were in the room with him, and they were all like... And then he said, yay! And he passed away. The last words he said was that, can I come play? And then, yay. You see, that's what we're made for. We're made for being able to, to see what we were really made for, to come awake, to have the, to have the curse lifted. And to be able to join in with that sense of like, yes, yes, this is, I get to enter in to what I was truly made for. See, that's Jesus bringing us to God because he brings God to us. And he does that through the resurrection from the dead, that we can have hope in all situations, uh, especially when we're feeling like this isn't worth doing, this life is not worth doing, and just feel that blah of things. So I, I for, always forget to mention Q&A is always part of our worship services, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll just open it up for people to ask questions and kind of have a conversation for a few minutes before we wrap up the service. So let me pray. Jesus, if, you're, if you've not come back from the dead, we're to be pitied beyond all people to even be sitting in this room. But if you have, then everything changes. And we better consider everything you've said and done for our benefit, but because you've done it in and through Christ. Amen.